This is Art One Radio, the podcast with true stories from amazing people as told by themselves. My name is Salim, and this show comes to you from Stichting Art One. We're very happy that you're listening. In this podcast, we bring you a selection of the stories that came from our podcasting workshops. In these workshops, activists, queer refugees, and newcomers produce their first audio story. They hold the mic, they do the editing, and they make the sound design. In today's episode, we will listen to a voice from Serbia, a story by Laura, who did an amazing piece about politics and the impact it leaves on us, and how the generation gap takes a big part in this. When you're a child, you remember events more vividly. Every New Year's Eve, every Christmas, every birthday seems to be that much more impactful than later ones. Once you grow up, these things become sort of normal for you, something that you've seen a thousand times before, and the impact is not as great. The novelty of experiencing something for the first time makes the memories and the effect they have on you that much stronger. I, for example, still vividly remember the earliest election I can recall, Serbia's presidential race in 2008. I was around 10 years old at that point. All the billboards were filled with the faces of the two candidates, Liberal Democratic Boris Tadic and the far-right nationalist Tomislav Nikolic. The TV was always on in our house, the sounds of the news and campaign ads being ever-present in the background. My father, and by extension our whole family, was rooting for Nikolic to win. We all listened very carefully whenever my father talked about politics and always watched the news together. And when the time came, our whole family went to the polls. The voting place was at my elementary school. It was such a strange experience being there while class was out. I waited in line with my parents for half an hour before they got stamped and were let in to vote. In the evening, we all gathered around the couch to watch the news reports as the votes were being counted. I remember the atmosphere feeling very tense. You could feel the air fill with excitement and anticipation. Then the results came. Tadic won with 51% of the vote. There was complete silence. My father was very disappointed by the results, and by proxy, so was I. I didn't understand why our candidate had lost the election, when my father put so much faith in him. Doesn't he know best? Why didn't other people agree? Of course, as a child, I didn't really understand the implications of any of this. I just knew that it was bad because that's how my father felt. A few days later, at school I heard one of my friends, whose parents were much more liberal-minded than mine, talking about how she was very relieved that that horrible man didn't win the elections. I didn't say anything, but in my mind it didn't really compute at all why one of my friends would dislike this person when my father respected him so much. She must have been in the wrong somehow. As I grew up and started learning more about politics and history, I eventually started to understand the situation much better. I learned how hateful and even violent the politicians my father supported actually were. I learned about the war crimes some of them committed in the name of our country. Knowing these things led to a lot of friction between me and my father during my teenage years. I remember one time when me and my parents were driving home one night. I was looking through the car window, watching the streetlights streak by as we passed them. The news was on the radio. Opening arguments have started on the Serbia and Croatia genocide trial at the ICC today. Ugh! Listen to all these fucking Ustasha always trying to sabotage us. If you ask me, I think we should round them all up and shoot them. This really stung me. He had always said stuff like this from time to time, but I had only now grown to understand what it meant. 
and met my neighbors, my friends, my classmates, a lot of whom were Croats. Everyone who belonged to an ethnicity he didn't like was automatically labeled an enemy, part of some sort of great conspiracy to undermine Serbia. Do you really mean that? I asked him. Why do you think it's justified to kill people who have done nothing wrong? He found a place to park the car and turned around to face me. Why the hell are you always undermining me on this? Why do you need to defend them? Do you hate your own country? I tried to defend myself, but he kept pushing and pushing, getting angrier with every sentence. And I just broke down crying. He kept yelling, saying all of these horrible racist things. And I just sat there, crying, unable to respond. That's when it started to become clear to me just what kind of society I was living in. It was a society that valued loyalty to your country more than people's lives, more than those closest to you, more than basic human decency. It was a culture that went against my deeply held values, and what I would have to be actively pushing against for the rest of my life. Or you couldn't express your beliefs or have freedom of conscience without everybody around you punishing you for exercising those rights. It's an experience that I would have to go through many times after this one. Arguing with classmates, teachers, friends can often make you feel really isolated and hopeless. But despite that, I still do it. Because I believe it's very important. If there's no one to challenge these opinions, there's no one to question the assumptions our society is built upon, then it will never change. It will never get better. Which is why we mustn't stay silent, despite the consequences. Did the story touch your feelings? Then let it travel and send it to a friend or even a stranger. You can also rate our podcast in your podcast app. That way, you help us to reach a wider audience and new listeners. Thank you for listening. Until next week.